0: Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. So all I can think about during worship is Brenda's challenge to me. And um, how I'm gonna possibly meet it. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. I used to, th- well, my wife, see, here's the problem. Um, if you ask my wife, I'm a man of few words. If you ask pretty much everybody else, I just talk and I talk and I talk. And I've been really working in the last year to kind of create. Some consistency there in my life that I wouldn't be just a man of very few words at home with my wife. But um, so then, when I started talking more, she's like, "Why are you talking so much now?" I don't. I didn't ask for your opinion about this, and I didn't ask for you to kind of step into this. Um, but this morning, uh, we're going to just take a bit of a, a detour from the series we've been in in the book of Colossians. And um, we're going to just talk about what I believe and what we believe God has called our church to. If you're new here, well, pretty much everybody is new here within the last year. And one of the things that we've been realizing is that as God has kind of called us to, to replant and restart this church, that we're all new and, um, and we've spent the last 18 months and I have just praying and asking God, what is your heart? for this community. What what is our DNA? What what fingerprints have you put into the life of this church? What purpose have you built into us? And and I've resisted sort of my my temptation and the urge to to just craft really slick vision statements and purpose statements and and value statements. Those things are all great, but what I've been asking for 18 months is God, what is your perspective? of the calling and the vision and the mission that you've given us. So um, literally, I did this branding like at 10.20 this morning for this series, This Is Us. I haven't even watched that show, and mostly because every time I hear about somebody watching, it's like I cried through every episode of the show, and I'm thinking, I cry enough in real life as it is. I don't need to cry when I'm sitting at home with my wife watching TV. So I haven't even watched the show And I just was under the gun this morning to kind of come up with something, so that's what we came up with uh, just at 10.15. So there you go. There's a little window into uh, my life in the last little bit. But this series, for the next few weeks, we're going to unpack what we believe God has implanted into this church and into our community um, in terms of culture and DNA, and I really hope that as we walk through this next few weeks, and in fact as we walk through this fall, you're going to get a clear picture, and hopefully I am too, of the purposes and heart of God for us as a community. And so when we say this is us, it's literally a reflection of what we believe God has pre-wired into us. And so we're not um, we're not imposing, or trying not to impose our our perspective and our viewpoint on God. Rather, we're actually taking a step back and saying, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to reveal to us about ourselves that will actually be the catalyst for the change and the transformation and growth you want for our city and our region? Um, I want to walk with you through a key text for this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them uh, to the New Testament. And um in the book of Acts, and I was chatting with um, Spencer the other night, and uh, he we were talking about some youth stuff in youth vision, and um, we were just talking about what what some of the defining characteristics are that we see God calling us to. And he mentioned this verse and and, And uh, when we started talking about it, it's like in my mind, the Holy Spirit said, take a hard right because I want you to go down that road. So I'm literally just ripping off our conversation uh, from the other night. But I I believe that found in here is the building block code for our DNA as a church. So we're not going to get into like all of the down the road stuff today, what I want to establish is what the building blocks of the DNA in our church are. So Acts chapter three, if you want to turn with me in the New Testament, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, We will have it on the screen behind us. Acts chapter three, let's just kind of dive in together and we're we're gonna make some observations about this this morning. Now, Peter and John, so these are disciples of Jesus. This is shortly after Pentecost, so Jesus has gone up to heaven now, and uh, he's left his disciples to fulfill his mission and his purpose. They've waited for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come in power and totally upended their lives, and we find them uh, later on, just a little bit later on in the story where we are. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask for alms of those entering the temple seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple he asked to receive alms and Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said look at us as he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them but Peter said I have no silver and gold but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk as he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? I'm going to jump just ahead to chapter 4, verse 13. So these people... they're amazed, this big crowd starts to gather and this buzz starts to kind of permeate around the the temple and the whole city and they they get the attention of the religious leaders that are there in the temple and in Jerusalem and the attention they get from the religious leaders isn't good attention, it's frustration. They're actually annoyed at what's happening because it's disrupting their uh, normal course of life. They call Peter and John in And uh, they questioned them as to what they're doing. By what authority did they uh, uh, provide this miracle for this man? And at the end of their questioning, they kind of hit a stalemate. And this is what they say. Chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. I want you to underline this verse here. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. I really believe that that verse is the linchpin building block for the life of the church that God is calling us to at Mountain Park. That is, if you could sum up in one statement, What I believe the heart of God is for all of us, it's that. As I've been praying through and asking the Holy Spirit, what are we about? Um, I've I've done that with sort of fear and trepidation uh, because I don't want to concoct something that I think is great but that isn't consistent with the heart of God. But as I've been praying about what the building block component of the vision of our church is, I believe that this is what um, the Holy Spirit has said, is a green light statement for that. And that's to be entrusted with unprecedented spiritual and cultural influence in our nation. So our vision the big why of where we're going, the big why of why we do what we do and how we do what we do and all of the, the, uh, the ministry function of our church, the big why, I believe, the Holy Spirit is inviting us with boldness to pray and ask him for spiritual and cultural influence, not just in our church or our region, but in our nation. He's inviting us to trust him with something so big, there's no chance we could do it on our own. I have no platform for that vision to come to fruition. You have no platform for that to come to fruition. The only way we're going to experience spiritual and cultural influence is through the presence of Jesus. It's through the experience that these disciples had It's by people, after they've encountered us in their life, having the same sentiment the religious leaders had. Wow, it looks like there's something different going on here. We don't even maybe know what it is. We can't express it or explain it. But it looks like these people have been with Jesus in the presence of Jesus. It looks like what is happening in their environment isn't something that we're conjuring up because it's cool and it's hip and it's trendy. I don't care about that stuff. I care about us being changed and transformed by the presence of Jesus in our life, in our services, in our ministries, in your home, in your workplace, in your schools, in your social environments. What would it be like if you're walking through the halls of your high school and people are kind of making way for you as they they realize something unique is going on in your life? And it's not attached to what you're wearing or what your social media presence is and your social media influences. It's attached to the presence of Jesus that has been defining you, that has been your true north. So I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us to ask him. He's inviting us to be faithful and trustworthy with influence in people's lives spiritually and influence in our culture. And I also believe that there's an order to those, that we have no business trying to attain cultural influence if we haven't started with spiritual influence. So the primary objective, the primary target of this church, the building blocks of our DNA is the presence of Jesus. The kind of presence that marks you and changes you. The kind of presence that leaves people dumbfounded and in awe and wonder because of what God has done around you. Not because of what you bring to the table, but because of what he's doing in you and through you. These are, I believe, the building blocks of the vision that God is giving us. I just want to make a few observations about this text, and we'll have a few applications as well in there. I really believe that when we talk about influence, spiritual and cultural influence is driven by the presence of Jesus. We're not going to manufacture it. We're not creating a 64-point strategic plan to gain social media followership and influence. Um, That's not what our heart is. Our heart is to allow the presence of God and the presence of Jesus in us to actually be the thing that speaks for us and through us and out of us. A few observations from this. Um, Number one, proximity to Jesus. Proximity to Jesus disrupts predictability. So in your life and in my life, if we're looking for predictability and sameness and consistency across all points of measurement in our life, we're going to have a hard time actually allowing the presence of Jesus to flow through us and to do what he wants to do. It's interesting that, that, this, that this lame man, who the Bible says was lame from birth, sitting at the gate beautiful for 40 years of his life, I don't know if he was there as an infant, but he was 40 years old when Peter, Peter encountered him. Peter would have walked by him possibly hundreds of times. Jesus, when he was in Jerusalem, frequented the temple and would have walked by him hundreds of times. It was normal and predictable that this man would be carried to the same spot day after day after day to do the same thing, and that was beg for money. It was predictable and normal. Everybody knew it was going to happen. It was like just waking up. is like Groundhog Day. You wake up and the bu- your alarm clock goes and it's like the same thing. Routine, 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 routine. And what I believe that Jesus is showing us through the scriptures, if we value routine over proximity to his presence, we're never going to fully experience the life that he's called us to. So Peter one day walks by and somehow on that day, we don't know what it was. We don't know if in his prayer time that morning, God had spoke to him. We don't know exactly what happened, but something was different that day and the routine was broken. The predictability was gone because Jesus entered the situation and decided to do what only he can do, When he broke that predictability, he set off a chain reaction of events in that city that resulted in his name, in Jesus's name, being the object of wonder and glory. That's why in our church, you know, we we do a lot of the same things on Sundays during our services, but but we don't value predictability every week. We actually intentionally pray and ask the Holy Spirit every week what he wants to say and do. And at any moment, any of our key leaders have a green light to come up here and to express what God may be speaking to them. I don't wanna miss the power and the glory of God because of my value for predictability. And so proximity to Jesus is going to make us uncomfortable. It's going to make us squirm a little bit because it's going to throw our life into this this zone that isn't regulated by routine. But proximity to Jesus means at any moment he can break the routine and break the predictability and come in and move in power for his glory and for his name. So, proximity to Jesus disrupts predictability. The second observation I want to make from verse 12, as Peter is debriefing the crowd that are there, he deflects the attention away from himself and puts it on Jesus. In order for us to walk in close proximity, with the presence of Jesus, it requires humility on our part. It requires humility in our spirit. It requires humility in the expression of attribution for what is going on. The presence of God and pride don't don't flow in the same stream. Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so proximity to Jesus requires that Jesus be the object of our attention and our affection. In Canada today, we live in a post-Christian culture. What that means is that when we use words like God, when we use phrases like God, they're arbitrary. If I say, you know, let's just allow God to work in us and through us, you, as you sit here, anybody under the sound of my voice can, can have an image in their head of what God means to them and apply that to that, but we can't do that with Jesus. That's why we sing about Jesus when we worship. That's why we preach about the name of Jesus, because Jesus, as we've been learning in Colossians, is the visible image of the invisible God. So when we direct people to Jesus, when we direct our attention to Jesus, when we align ourselves around the name of Jesus, he gets the glory, not us. So proximity to Jesus demands humility. Third observation from there, proximity to Jesus produces power. Peter was very quick to admit that the power to heal this man didn't come from himself. It came from Jesus and the name of Jesus. If you're looking for greater power and effectiveness in your life, you need to start looking at Jesus. Jesus if you feel like you've been stalling out and and struggling in the same cycles of sin and defeat and all of those things, your proximity to Jesus is the power source that allows you to break out of those habits, to break out of those cycles and out of those routines. That when we actually are close to Jesus, his power begins to manifest itself in our lives. And his power manifests itself to bring healing and restoration and freedom and deliverance and hope in life. So as a church, if we're pursuing the presence of Jesus. We can expect and count on at times Jesus to come in maybe even unexpected ways, and reveal his power and his strength. I fully expect that when we pray for people, they'll be healed. I fully expect that when we are doing ministry together as a family, that we'll experience God's power in new and specific and tangible ways. He's not just calling us to come and talk about him ad nauseum for our life. Paul said the kingdom of God isn't a matter of talk, but of power. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so there's this dual nature to the kingdom of God that's not just an exercise of intellectual assent. That's not our point here. That's not our focus. Our focus is on understanding God but walking in a proximity to him that allows his power to flow through us. Do you ever think about this story and and realize that this man had been lame from birth, but the Bible says when God restored his bone structure and his, his muscles would have had incredible atrophy in them, his bone structure wouldn't have been normal, but the Bible says that he jumped up and started walking and running. How is that even possible? He's never walked a day in his life. How does he go from having a crippling, crippling situation to being restored and doing the kinds of things that he doesn't even know how to do in and of himself? And the power of God and Jesus at work in our life It's the kind of power that allows us to walk in a way that's not even natural or normal for us. Last observation from here. Proximity produces clarity. I love as the religious leaders were reflecting on Peter, they They were amazed at his boldness. And when you dig into the Greek word for boldness, it it literally means to have clarity. That in some sense, that what was confused and convoluted at one time is now clear and consistent. That, That boldness meant that Peter didn't have to circle the wagons around the same conversation, I, I was thinking about this. Um, when I was in high school, there, there, you know how the, I'm a big guy, but I'm not very courageous. And there was a girl that I really liked in high school. Um, and so after youth group one night, um, I, we decided to go for a bit of a walk. And we, like we didn't have licenses or cars, so we walked around the church. And we walked around the church, I'm not even joking you, for at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half, just in circles, just walking in circles time after time. And I was just making sort of random small talk as we walked in circles. Finally, this girl said to me, what are we doing here, Andrew? We've literally been walking around the building talking about nothing for an hour and a half. And and she stopped us in our tracks and and said, what are we doing here? And I, uh, I didn't even know how to answer. I, after an hour and a half, I didn't have the boldness and the clarity to even tell her that I liked her. So when she asked that, I just mumbled out this nonsensical uh, mumbo jumbo, and we just decided to call it a night. <laughs> that's like, that's a story of my dating life right there. That's happened more than one time, actually, by the way. But this boldness that comes from the proximity we have to Jesus brings clarity. We stop circling the wagons and hemming and hawing about what he's done in our life. We stop making excuses and, and, and trying to find ways to nicely express what, what God has been doing in us. When God brings us boldness, it brings us clarity. It brings us effectiveness and communication. We have to remember that Peter was an uneducated, illiterate fisherman weeks before this event. So how does a man go from being illiterate, uneducated, cowardly, to powerful and bold and assertive for the purposes of the gospel? And there's only one answer. It's the presence of Jesus. So you need to know that as a church, the building blocks of our vision our, and our foundation, the building block is the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus that we, that we seek and that we sing about and worship, the presence of Jesus that we find in Scripture. We're interested much more in presence than in production. We care way more about encounter than entertainment. I don't care about entertaining you. I care that you come face to face with the only power in heaven and on earth that that can actually change you and me that can actually breathe strength and life into you. So as a church, we value presence over performance and encounter over entertainment. We're not here to perform for each other. We're here to walk together into the presence of Jesus and then say, God, whatever you want to do, it's okay with us. We invite you to do it. A couple things in closing. Uh, Team, you guys can come back up. That's all well and good, but how do we actually walk into the presence of Jesus in a practical way? There's two things that I want to leave with you. These are daily practices of my own life if you want to jot these down. These are sort of the entryways into the presence of Jesus. The first one is praise. The Bible is very clear that we enter God's presence through praise and thanksgiving, that we enter his courts with praise, that we actually approach the throne of God through worship, through thankfulness. And the second one is prayer, that we actually walk into the presence of Jesus through prayer. So what do we do? Here's my challenge to you if we want to be a people that practice the presence of Jesus, a church that experiences the presence of Jesus, it has to happen on a one-to-one basis for all of us. So how do you do that? This is a discipline I want to challenge you with. Every morning, before I roll out of bed, essentially, sometimes I roll onto my knees beside my bed, but every morning, I start the morning by declaring the goodness of God. Doesn't matter what has happened in my life. I declare the Lordship of Jesus over me, over my family, over my work environments. I start every morning and I literally, literally say, Jesus, I declare you Lord over my life today. I declare that you are good, that you are worthy of praise. I declare today, Jesus, that you are the righteous King, the good shepherd. I declare, God, my worship and affection for you. That's literally how I start every morning. And then I go from praise and declaring the goodness of God into something I call recognizing, which is standing in humility and saying, God, I recognize that you are God and I'm not. I humble myself before you today. And if there's anything that I've done that has grieved your heart, I invite you to come and bring conviction to me. If there's anything that I've done this morning or last night or this week that has grieved you, that's that's causing a rift between us, I invite you to come and reveal it to me. And then I repent of that thing or those things. I repent of my pride. I repent of my selfishness. I repent of my independence. I repent of my anger. I repent of the things that the Holy Spirit brings to mind. And the third thing that I do is I renounce the influence of the enemy in my life. I want no part of his plan for me I want no part of what he wants for my life, which is death and destruction and division and hurt and pain. I don't want it. So I renounce the activity and the influence of the enemy of God. And then I invite the Holy Spirit to come and renew me, to clothe me in my spiritual armor again. As it says in Ephesians, to renew my thinking, to renew my perspective. Every morning when I walk into the presence of Jesus, that's how I do it, that's the roadmap. Is you start by declaring your praise and your thankfulness and the goodness of God. And then you follow that with recognizing your need for him. And you follow that by taking authority over the things in your life that aren't consistent with his heart. And you invite him to come and restore and renew you. You invite the Holy Spirit to come and say, what is your assignment for me today? I want to be aware of what you're doing around me. Do you think that Peter just arbitrarily went to that beggar that he had seen a hundred times before and just thought, wow, well, I have nothing better to do this morning. So let's just do some healings. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe, but I don't know that that's plausible. I think that Peter, because he had learned to walk in and out of the presence of God, that that morning, God said, I have an assignment for you today. And that assignment isn't about bringing you praise. It's about spreading my name and my influence like wildfire across this city. Are you ready? Are you willing? But guys, if we don't walk in and out of the presence of Jesus, we just continue down the road that we've always gone, seeing the results we've always gotten, missing the very things that the heart of God wants to produce in us. Let's stand together. So this church, at its core, is a presence-driven church. At its core, we believe that unless we come face-to-face with the presence of Jesus, that this is all useless. This church above everything else will pursue the presence of Jesus because it is that presence that changes you, that heals you, that restores you, that brings you life and hope, that fulfills your deepest longings, that brings you comfort. So my invitation to you is this. One, that you would commit to learning to understand how to walk in and out of the presence of God in your own life. And two, that together as a community, that together we would commit together to walk in and out of the presence of Jesus so that we in our life can see him work and move in power, to bring healing to families, to bring restoration to our region and our cities. I believe that that's the heart of God for this church. And that's where we're going to start. Let's pray. Jesus, we just acknowledge that there's so many things we don't understand about you, that we don't know about you. There's so much that's unclear so often in our life. But we stand before you and we ask very simply today, Holy Spirit, would you teach us to be people of the presence of Jesus? Would you teach us to walk in close proximity to the author of life? Would you teach us to walk in close proximity to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Would you teach us to walk in close proximity to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last? Would you mark us, Holy Spirit, as a people of your presence? I don't even know what that means. And part of me is really scared to pray that, but I ask this morning that this church would be marked by your presence, not by programs, not by policy and procedure, not by our social media influence or presence but that we would be defined and marked by your presence. Father, I pray for your presence in every family represented here. Father, I pray for your presence in homes where where children and loved ones have walked away from you. Father, I pray for your presence in the high schools of our region, and I pray for your presence, God, in our workplaces, in our places of of leisure and fun, I ask that we would be presence carrying people. And so that's what we invite you to do in us today. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today, and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you we'd love to hear it Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately